Word on Fire is brought to you by Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Chicago area since 1837. This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents The Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, our readings for this fifth Sunday of Easter are all directly or indirectly about the priesthood. Now, don't get inattentive thinking, well, I'm not a priest, so this has little to do with me. See, because in the classical theology of the church, reiterated strongly in Vatican II, every baptized person is a priest. Ordained priest, the ministerial priesthood, has its own special character, but all of us, by baptism, are priests. Well, who's a priest? What does a priest do in this, in this general sense? A priest is a mediator between God and human beings. Someone who offers a sacrifice of praise to God and thereby links divinity and humanity. A priest is a kind of pontifex. That means bridge builder. The Pope in Rome, of course, is the pontifex maximus. He's the greatest of the bridge builders. But all of us baptized priests are bridge builders between divinity and humanity. Oh, and the Old Testament gives us a very rich background for understanding priesthood. Lots of priests in the Old Testament. Noah, Abraham, Moses come readily to mind, all people who engaged in sacrifice. But the most prominent priest is Aaron, that founding father of the long line of temple priests who would, on behalf of Israel, offer sacrifice to Yahweh. These Jerusalem priests, as the temple developed and unfolded, became very interesting figures, wearing special garments and vestments, presiding at these complex liturgies of the temple. They and their attendants would offer throughout the day prayers and sacrifices to God, taking animals brought by the people, killing them, burning them as peace offerings or thank offerings or a sign of atonement. These priests were essential to the religious life and imagination of ancient Israel. It would be practically impossible for a biblical person to imagine the spiritual life apart from these priests. Now, Jesus was not a temple priest. He was a rabbi. He was a teacher. But as a pious Jew, he was very much a temple-centric person. The Gospels tell us he went up often to Jerusalem. What was he doing there? Well, he was like a good pious Jew, participating in the ceremonies and rituals and prayers of the temple. We hear that he often preached and taught in the temple precincts. And we know at the very climax of his public life, he went into the temple, the place of priesthood and sacrifice, And there he did something shocking and extraordinary. 
Not only did he turn over the money changers' tables, but he proclaimed divine judgment on the temple. I will tear down this place and in three days rebuild it. Now we know, we know many of the prophets of Israel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel come to mind, loved the temple and loved the priesthood and for that very reason sometimes passed judgment on them because of their corruption. This is not an either or here. It's because they loved the temple, because they loved the priesthood so much, they would pass God's judgment on their corruption. Ezekiel went so far as to say, that God's spirit, because of the corruption of the temple, had left, had left the Jerusalem temple. But he dreamed, he prophesied that one day that great spirit of Yahweh would return. Jesus' prophetic act in the temple should be seen against this background. He loved the praise of God so much. He loved what the priesthood stood for so much that he wanted to cleanse and reform and rebuild the temple. Of course, we know that when he spoke of rebuilding the temple, he was referring to the temple of his own body. What's he saying? What's he saying? He's saying that his own person, his own body, would now be the place where God is properly praised. That he personally would be the new temple. He personally would be the new priesthood. We say in the theological language of the church that in Jesus, divinity and humanity come together. That means he is, in the very structure of his being, a priest and a temple. And didn't he interpret his death on the cross precisely as a high priestly act? This ultimate temple sacrifice that would reconcile divinity and humanity. On the night before he died, he took bread and he said, this is my body which will be given up for you. That's temple language. Do you see? That's sacrificial language. Like the body of an animal that would be offered up in atonement, offered up in reparation. That was what the priest did. He offered up the bodies of these animals. So Jesus says, my body will become a sacrifice. And then, taking the cup of wine. He said, this is the cup of my blood, the blood of the new and everlasting covenant. It will be shed for you and for all so that sins may be forgiven. What is that but temple language, priesthood language? As the blood of the slaughtered animal would pour forth, it was seen as a sign of reparation, a sign of atonement. The person saying, Lord, I offer you my life in the life of this animal. The blood was poured out precisely for the atonement of sin. Jesus is saying, I will perform the final sacrifice. I will be the final and perfect priest. I will be in my own dying, the temple. Now, against that rather rich, complex background, Let's revisit the readings for today. At the very end of the first reading, taken from the Acts of the Apostles, Luke says, quote, Even a large group of priests were becoming obedient to the faith. That's something wonderful there. 
Luke is talking about the many people coming into the church now, hearing the word about Jesus, joining the, the faith. And then he exults in the fact that many of the temple priests were also joining. You see what they're acknowledging, what Luke is exulting in, that they saw in Jesus precisely the fulfillment of who they were. They saw him finally not as their enemy, but as the one who brought their own work of sacrifice to fulfillment. Ah, Christian Catholic priests, even to this day, participate in that wonderful relationship. Now how about this reading, or this language from the letter of Peter? Come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but chosen and precious in the eyes of God. And like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house. (laughs) It's language that might strike us as strange, but people in the first century, Jews especially, who knew about the temple, they understood this language. Peter's saying, come to him, Christ, a living stone, rejected by men, but chosen and precious in the eyes of God. Think of Jesus, he's saying, as this new temple. Temples made of these great stones, these great rocks. Jesus is this living stone. Rejected by men, yes, but chosen by God to be the cornerstone of his new temple. And then, implication for us. And like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house. We're mixing metaphors here a bit, but that's okay. Paul speaks of the body of Christ. All of us are members of that body. Good. We're like cells and molecules and organs in Christ's body. But now Peter's image is not organic. It's architectural. Become living stones. Christ is the cornerstone of the new temple, the place of perfect praise. You now, he's saying to the baptized and to us, you participate in that temple. May you become so configured to Christ that your own life becomes an act of praise and that you become a mediator between divinity and humanity for the people around you. You see that the powerful, practical message here, friends. If by your identity you are a, a living stone in the temple, then your whole life is a place of praise. And you will become radiant to those around you. And then St. Peter goes on, listen. To be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now we see why the church has said from the beginning that all the baptized are priests. This is the biblical root of it. May you be yourselves a holy priesthood. Offering spiritual sacrifice to God. That's what it means to be configured unto Jesus Christ. And therefore, he concludes, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people set apart. Friends, if we don't live our Christian faith, if we don't speak it, we don't evangelize out of it, we don't allow its power to radiate through us, then no one's going to come to Christ. We 
are the mediators. We are the bridge builders that Christ has chosen to bring his message and power to the world. That's what Peter's telling us. You're a holy priesthood. A chosen race. Christ has chosen you for his purposes. Live it out. Here's where the Vatican II call to the universal priesthood of all the believers comes from. Now, let me close with this. All of this is summed up in the magnificent passage from John's Gospel that we hear today. Jesus presents himself at the Last Supper to his disciples as the perfect priest because he presents himself as the ultimate mediator between divinity and humanity. One of his disciples says, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus replies, Don't you know that the one who sees me sees the Father? That's his priesthood. That's his priesthood. He's the icon of the invisible God. He's the bridge between us and the invisible God. Another disciple says, Lord, show us the way. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's his priesthood too. The priest offering temple sacrifice was offering a way, offering a path to connect Israel to its God. Now Jesus is saying, I am the high priest. I am in my own being the temple sacrifice. I am the place of perfect praise. That's why if you want contact with God, you come through me. Well, friends, this is true in an analogous way of all of us baptized. All of us participating in Jesus must be mediators. We must be priests. We must be the way. And God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. The cemetery ministry is a core ministry of our Catholic faith tied to the corporal works of mercy. Cardinal George says, It's comforting to know that our Catholic cemeteries are caring for the remains of our loved ones awaiting the resurrection. There are 43 Archdiocese of Chicago cemeteries willing to help you during times of loss. Call 708-449-6100 for assistance. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837.